Hey, welcome back to another episode of A Little on the Long Side. I'm John Purchase. With me is Jim Henderson. And uh, in one of our last conversations, uh, we brought up a company called JLH Sustainable Housing. And uh, I'd like to come back to that. Uh, JLH uh, is a company founded by uh, Jim Henderson, our fearless leader here. And uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about, give us the broad strokes of, of JLH Sustainable and why, uh, why you started the company. Okay. First of all, I, we, on a real serious note, I have to say that um, if you ask me what the L in the JLH is, it's sort of like Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> if you guess what the L stands for, then, you know. Do you get a prize? No, I'm going to stamp my feet over and over until I stamp myself through to the other other side of the earth. Okay. Or is that what Rumpelstiltskin, didn't he like, stamp his know. feet to when, when he, but he was tricked into telling him what his name was. It could be. I'm not positive though. I'm the wrong guy to ask about so, that one. But that again, a little more on the long side on the, the JLH. But uh, the reason I started JLH sustainable housing uh, was it was born from a project, two projects we did at the William C. Huff company. And, and, and again, I'm older. It could be Alzheimer. It could be just <laughs> I forget what I say. But basically, as a company, William C. Huff, uh, we made a commitment to the environment to go solar. My friend Neville Williams, big advocate, uh, standard solar company, mm-hmm. largest solar company in the United States at one point, client of ours, good friend. Um, we were having lunch one day, and, and, and I asked him what the cost per kilowatt hour was, and he told me. I said, well, let's do it. Because it, basically at the time, it was about the same price. And if you're going to pay the same price per kilowatt hour, why don't you want it to do what's right for the environment? Yeah, certainly. So we did. And and so that was great. Uh, and then at the same time, we put a large addition on uh, our warehouse. And the builder, Tammy Amy Builders, Brian Jones, third generation builder, great, great company. Phenomenal guys, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, he came to came to me, John. And, and, well, you were part, you were like the project manager, so you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day he came in and he said, Jim, here's the plans for conventional steel warehouse. Just like the one you had. It's got the batten insulation. It's got an R value of about R15 or whatever. He's, and, and he had a sample of this uh, IMP, uh, insulated metal panel. And he said, there's a new uh, way that they're building warehouses and, and commercial buildings. And it's with these IMPs. They're a lot more efficient with insulation and so i asked him i said well what's the r value he says well this piece here is r31 and i said four inches you couldn't get r31 with 24 or 30 inches of standard standard roll roll of insulation and uh and he told us that it was going to be maybe 15 percent more and i said let's do it Mm -hmm. and and again i just thought it would fit well with the the solar and and conserving energy and uh so that was a two-year process, the, getting the solar going, getting the, the warehouse, getting the permits, and getting the addition built. As we were wrapping it up, I remember uh, being outside and, and, you know me, I'm always thinking outside the box. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes that costs me money and costs me time, but you know, I, I like to look at things from a different angle, and, and so... You know, I've got that conventionally built house, and it's a nice house. Mm-hmm. It was built in the 90s, and it's a typical South Florida house. But my air conditioner runs 24-7 in the summer. It's, it's horribly inefficient. 
And I don't know, I was looking at the warehouse, I was thinking about solar, and I was thinking about, I wonder what we could get away with in terms of solar if a house was built under the same guidelines as this addition on our warehouse, you know, with this R31 uh, insulated metal panel technology. And so I'm talking to Brian and, and I said, Brian, why don't people build houses with this? And again, I'm not a builder. So, you know, I, I thought it was an okay question. And he kind of looked at me and having worked with me for a couple of years, I think he knew that I think out of the box quite a bit. And he says, well, there's no reason you can't. I said, well, would you be able to get permits for a steel house? He said, well, steel house is nothing more than a really small, big steel warehouse. I mean, people are in it. You have to pass code and there shouldn't be any reason. And I said, well, let's build one. And he said, okay. So that was the beginning of the process. But at the same time, I, I really had this burden for affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And I think we touched on that in some past conversations as well. Yeah. yeah. And so at the time, you know, a n- number of our staff here at William C. Heff were finding that they had to go further and further away to be able to afford even rent in town because it's, it's a booming town. And, um, and if you were going to buy a house, you, you, you couldn't afford anything less than an hour away. So, I actually tried to tackle probably too much because I wanted to put up a building. I wanted to prove that these steel structures, if, if we could get the permits and stuff, could be affordable enough so that people could live in closer to town. But again, this, this is really going to go back to just an overall sustainability project. You know, I just wanted to see how many areas uh, we could touch base with, and, and affordability was one of them. So I had a little money back in those days. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it disappears real quick. It comes and goes quickly. Yeah. And so uh, I said, you know, let's, let's put up a couple of these. Not being a builder, I didn't, didn't know anything about it. And so I bought a couple lots, one, one out uh, about 45 minutes out, you know, two and a half acres, sort of where, where you live. Yeah, on the estates. Yeah, and, and some of the guys that work here live out there. And then one in close to town. Now I paid quite a bit more and it was only less than a quarter of an acre, but it looked like the numbers that I'd been getting from the steel company. Cause I, I, we engineered a, a small 1500 square foot, three bedroom, two bath house. So at least from the steel and the solar that we we're going to put into this and everything that we could do project for costs, we couldn't be able to bring this to market for less than any other house its size. 15 minutes from downtown. Well, I was wrong on that because <laughs> it, it cost, as we all know, everything costs more, but some of it was just overbuilding. I mean, we over-engineered it. Um, we built it to 180 mile an hour wind. We only needed 170. We put four inch uh, insulated metal panels. We probably could have done just fine with three. Um, again, we didn't know what the efficiencies would be, but we wanted to build something and see how good it would perform mm-hmm. well and, and going back to something you said earlier we knew based on the addition of our warehouse here at william c huff that the building performed incredibly well mm-hmm. exceeded all expectations yeah, exactly it is an incredible product and, and again thank you to to brian at tamiami builders for 
bringing it to our attention. They were thrilled with it. And we figured, you figured, we know how well it performs here. There's no reason, right? Let's move forward and build a house. Right. Well, we, we got our permits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got the got it engineered and, and no problems with the permits. And then, uh, and then I learned how little I know about construction. <laughs> it's always been someone else that does it. And uh, we found out that hiring somebody to do it would make it totally unaffordable. I remember the uh, the sad day when a contractor who was going to build it out after we had got the shell assembled, uh, you know, put in the plumbing electrical, was going to charge just for his time $75,000 as an upcharge. I mean, there was like a $23,000 dumpster fee. I mean, I mean, we, we had this thing up around $400,000 before we even started thinking about anything we wanted to put inside. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the affordability kind of became less and less of the goal as we moved along. We, we acted as our own self, general contractors. You worked with me side by side. Mm-hmm. Painting, sheetrock work, uh, hanging cabinets, and hiring all the subcontractors and holding them to getting things done so we could pass our our inspections and stuff so um yeah it was it was a longer project i think you remember it was probably in almost six to almost a year i would say nine nine months to ten months way longer than yeah longer than we expected it to be so that that in itself was kind of a drain time-wise and and money-wise but what we um, were able to do when when we finished it we were able to get the appliances in, set the air conditioner at 73. And because we were waiting for final CO and, and a few other little things, we were able to uh, put in the net metering. And, and and then we could check and see how efficient it was. Yeah. And I, Explain net metering to yeah. those who, who don't know. Yeah, that's 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 probably one of the misknown things in, in Florida or any state is what what is net metering and and I've heard people explain it so many different ways but it's all the same uh, they're just misinformed so net metering basically is most states allow this and what it does is uh, there's a meter on your home that senses all of the power you generate and it sends that power into the grid the the standard grid in, into your uh, power lines. It yeah. goes. It goes literally to the power company. They read it. They credit you for what you send them, and then they deliver what you use. In other words, when you turn on the the air conditioner or you turn on the stove, it's going to have a draw. And when you draw that energy, it goes against the credited energy that you've sent to the power company. It's sort of like a bank. You to put a certain amount of money in. If you only take half of it out you've still got half of your money still in the bank right right so um i think that's a concept you can you can visualize sure so the whole goal is and and the idea is that you need to buy the energy at night when there's no sun so Mm -hmm. most installers solar installers that know what they're doing will go in there's an app you can look at the uh average number of sun hours you get per day year round uh in florida i think it's where we are is around 6.5 it's somewhere around there it might might be a little more seven um average so throughout the year 
So they use that and they calculate what your load would be for the year. And then they can calculate how many panels you need to generate enough during the day when the sun's out during that average 6.8 hours of sunlight and have enough in the bank so you can run your house at night. So it's a little bit of guesswork, but the, the formulas do work out fairly close. And uh, I would say the formula worked out pretty spot on as far as our facility here. And we have a massive installation. Yeah, no, it does. I mean, we, outside of the demand charge, which is another conversation that we don't want to get into today, but <laughs> uh, demand charge is something that they make businesses pay so that homeowners don't realize how much energy costs. What we, what we found out with JLH, and again, we, we knew that this massive warehouse was very efficient and, and we're using very little energy. And uh, we just didn't know how little because it was part of a much bigger warehouse that we already had. So we couldn't delineate ex exactly, but with, with a small house, 1,500 square feet, we, we, we could know exactly what the efficiency was. Well, to put it in perspective, an average 1,500 square foot house needs, with the kind of insulation that we were talking about, we projected would, would need about 22 to 23 kilowatt hours a day. An average regular house is for that size is around 30. Mm -hmm. kilowatt hours a day so we thought okay we'll err on the safe side and and put 20 panels up and uh, a 6.8 kilowatt system then we put in the appliances refrigerator hot water heater air conditioning and we didn't sell the house we it went online we we started measuring it january 2nd 2019 and then we sold it in december so it was almost a full year that we were monitoring the usage the, the usage before somebody moved in, and again, the air, air was set at 73, hot water at a high temperature, mm -hmm. and, and the refrigerator was running. And yeah. those are your three major appliances. Uh, account for about two-thirds of your total electric bill, by the way. But anyway, uh, well, you know, I mean, we at the end, we averaged producing just about 25 kilowatt hours a day, which is about right for 20 panels. Mm -hmm. And our usage was 4.4 4. 4 versus two-thirds of 20, uh, 30, instead of using 20, which would have been the average for an average house, we're getting by on 4.4. That's how efficient it was. Yeah. So we don't know. We could check with the homeowner and see. <clears throat> My guess is he's probably using about 10, which means there's another 15 kilowatt hours. That's right. Generating yeah. over and above what the house requires. At the end of the year, your power company gives you a check with any overage. And I, I remember the, the, the great check we got from the power company that uh, supplies the power to most of Southern Florida uh, our first year with our warehouse and mm -hmm. uh, it was $160 but it also was 16,000 kilowatt hours enough to run two or three homes for a year we get $160 10 cents on the dollar so you're not making money at the end of the year when it's all said and done that's not why we did it right a lot of people get upset and they don't do anything about their decision to go solar because they get angry. Well, if I'm going to overproduce, I want dollar for dollar. Well, that's not going to happen. I mean, again, we did it for the right reason. It's the right thing to do. But anyway, back to the house. We I, I, So what we learned was that with this insulated metal panel technology, it's so much more efficient that I mean, we're, we were running the house on a fourth of the energy that a normal house would have. Yeah. So now your air conditioner is going to run one-fourth as often, which means it's going to last at least two to three times longer 
most people replace their air conditioning every 12 years or, or less, depending on how often it runs. Yeah, and as we know, down here in Florida, man, they run a lot. You know your house, it runs all the time. Yeah, and even in our old part of the warehouse here, where, where we're mm-hmm. taping this right now, it's it's very, very inefficient. And so our ACs get about maybe 12 years, and then we have to replace them. And our last time of replacing, $75,000. What we concluded, what we found is that equipment's going to last longer. Uh, steel does not deteriorate. Zero maintenance. I mean, for as long as you live there, you'll never have to replace the roof. An average uh, roof in Florida will last about 12 years, and you're going to spend twenty to 30000 replacing the roof. Uh, siding has to get repainted. This, these houses, this material doesn't have to get repainted. It's going to be exactly the same. I mean, you could paint it a different color if you want to, but why? If you don't, but you won't need to. You won't need to. And uh, I was looking at my house the other day. We've had it 13 years, and it needs painting. And it was painted just before we bought it. So you'd either hire someone to get out, get out the paint rollers and <laughs> do the house. But So there's advantages uh, to this, this house. And, and I guess what we learned is that they're a lot more efficient. And, and it is something that can make a difference in people's lives because if you can save $150, $180, a month on your electricity for 25 years, I mean, that's a game changer in terms of money in your pocket. But if you also don't have to do maintenance, you don't have to repair or replace the air conditioning at all. I mean, that's more money in your pocket. And, and people don't realize that when you buy a house, you're buying uh, something that's going to take your money. It, it, it's all fun and games until you get to the fifth or sixth year, and then things start going bad. Yeah, and you've got to replace your roof or your AC. or. So what we've constructed is is basically hurricane-proof, bug-proof. There's no, well, a couple pieces of wood, but before a termite would ever find it, they'd starve to death trying to get there. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, this, this 1,500-square-foot home has less than 100 linear feet of, yeah, it's of, wood. of wood in it. Yeah, right. it's just it's basically very steel. It's kind of weird because you, you think of steel, it doesn't sound like a home, but it, a lot of the people that saw it love the style. Mm-hmm. I mean, we polished the concrete floors, and I just, I think it, it's a different look. It's definitely a different feel, but looking to the future, I think that this is something that, that we can build on. And, you know, we're hoping to create interest over the next few years, uh, but uh, we have the data, we have the, uh, the information that we, that we got from building it, that we were able to monitor it for almost a year, a year, so we know what it can do, uh, and I and I look forward to uh, the opportunities down the road where we can uh, expand on it. Mm-hmm. What were your three biggest takeaways from uh, from building the prototype? It's interesting. Uh, one, I think the biggest is how efficient it was, and and, and in fact, how little it costs to uh, create the uh, enough energy so that you can run the house, but also eventually charge batteries. Mm-hmm. And then your batteries can allow you to run off grid. And so, yeah, so that's- Or, a, or charge, uh, charge, charge your electric, electric vehicle. Yeah. yeah. And and again, you know, the mis- misnomer is people feel like they're plugging their car in. It's clean, natural energy. No, it's not. Electricity is dirty energy if it's not produced naturally. Right. And natural gas is dirty. It's creates methane, which is 102 times more harmful to our environment than CO2. So there's no such thing as clean, natural, non-renewable energy. It's all dirty. 
energy is energy it's dirty right i think we talked about that earlier but so that's the one thing the the second thing is that i didn't really think about the maintenance and the the you know not having to replace the air conditioner and, and whatnot it just that's just a byproduct of building something that tight and that that solid and and as far as hurricane i mean when you've got three quarter inch bolts bolted to beams in the roof and anchored two and a half feet into concrete i know for a fact the roof is never coming off in a hurricane. I don't care how strong the hurricane is. That roof is never coming <laughs> off. It'd be 300 miles an hour. I think it, it's rated for 180, but my guess is it's overbuilt. Yeah. And it, well, as you said, the steel the steel frame that the shell is wrapped around it's unbelievable. You could drive tanks into it repeatedly, and it just wouldn't move. It's, it's not it's incredible. Move. There's there's not a stronger substance than steel. I mean, let's face it. You bolt it two and a half feet into the into solid concrete. Even if you had, like, uh, I'm thinking of a tornado. I, you, I don't know what it would do. It would be kind of interesting if a tornado went over this house, what it would do, whether it would just go around it. Because yeah. I don't think it could go through it. Like you said, a tank couldn't go through it. Yeah. So uh, i do not not wishing for another hurricane, but if we get one, I definitely want to see how the, the house does, because our warehouse did fine. I Absolutely, mean, we're 40, yeah. 45 feet in the air. Yeah. And we didn't see any damage whatsoever. I was in the warehouse during Irma at 142 miles an hour, and it was absolutely fine. Yeah. We, we, Relatively quiet. Very quiet. And so, so that's that's the second. And I guess the third takeaway, and this is this is kind of something that I didn't expect. It didn't end up with one of the staff members, which is one of the reasons is building it to have it a, an affordable house for a staff member. But uh, we eventually sold it to a uh, an active service man. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's in probably Marines. So that's nice that we sold it to, to an active service person. But I guess what I learned, the third big takeaway was that people aren't ready for this yet for some reason. Because I think you know, we, we, we finished the house. It was We, we knew that we we're going to have to sell it in the open market. So we posted in some of these uh, sustainable websites. Mm-hmm. We ended up listing it with a traditional realtor. The realtor had no idea the qualities of this and we had to educate the realtor so i guess the thing is i don't think the conventional home industry is ready for these in terms of being sold conventionally um i think again this goes back to i think a lot of people talk about what other people should be doing but they're not willing to do it themselves otherwise that the house i think would have sold in in a couple hours right because it's the only one of its kind it does everything that everyone wants but yet i i just it was weird i yeah. i i it, again, we're taking a step back. We'll uh, we'll assess where we're going to go with it. But uh, if the market's not ready, you have to educate them, and that could be a process. So that, yeah, that can certainly take some time. So and we know plans change, mm-hmm. uh, yep. things like that. Uh, do you, do you have thoughts as to where JLH will go? What what area would you like to see it pop up in? We've talked about affordable housing, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. you've had many conversations with the county. And, yeah, with Habitat for Habitat Humanity. Habitat for Humanity. Yep. Yeah, it, it you know it in, for for things like Habitat for Humanity, HUD called me from Jacksonville, mm-hmm. the, the head of housing uh, of uh, urban development, yep. because they, you know, we got a lot of press from it, so we were in the news, and and people saw it, and you know, I got a call one day from HUD, and uh, the guy was fascinated with it because it's indestructible, and a lot of housing and urban development money is for subsidized housing that is so cheap that. It costs so much to repair it. It goes downhill in a hurry. So you've got this indestructible product that is run for out of free energy. So 
even HUD was interested, but in Habitat. And, you know, we, we did a lot of plans for them. We spent probably 100 hours just working over plans to get a shell to them that, that would meet their low income requirements. And we did, and we haven't heard back. So, I, I again, I think that just shows that people aren't ready for it. That, um, you know, I thought about a whole development, mm-hmm. and, and I don't, and if a developer came tomorrow and said, we love this idea, can we do it? I would, I would be very excited because it'd be great to see a whole development of sustainable houses. You know, we, we talked about somebody that had a, owned a land at a golf course. Right. Totally, right. Un, totally undeveloped. He's from Europe and, and, and he could see, but he wanted me to be the developer and I barely know how to swing a hammer. So I'm, I, <laughs> it's a little bit out of my league to put in, I think he had like approvals for like 800 units. Right. And it would have been great. But uh, again, now the uh, stars I, weren't aligned for that project at that time. Yeah. Who, who knows? Maybe that'll come back up again. Yeah. No, I, I think I think it could. Uh, sometimes if you step back away from something, it not only do you get a little different perspective, but it gives uh, other people time to react. You know me. I mean, I can think about 12 different things at the same time and. And I can react pretty quick to any one of them, but that isn't the way the world works. Yeah, they like to think about it. So we, we we've got a product, we've got something out there. We're pretty proud of it, and uh, we'll see. Yeah. It's it's not. I don't feel an urgency. We didn't make any money, of course, and and that's that wasn't the reason we did it. But I think when we do mobilize and do something with it, I think I think we'll be ready. And maybe maybe uh, Americans will be a little bit more ready, whether it's here or because these will these are fine in Canada. Or, you know, it's the same concept. It's mm-hmm. snow loads, wind loads, flood proof. You know, whatever you want, we can build into these. So right. we'll, well see. We'll yeah, see. and for those that uh, that have an interest in in putting your eyes on what we're what we've been talking about, uh, you are welcome to check out our website jlhsustainable.com and nose around a little bit and see what you think. And we'd love to hear from you about it if. Uh, if you care to share your thoughts about it. Well, thanks, John. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Share, sh- give us a call. We, we're, we're always willing to hear what people have for questions. Yeah. Usually they're questions that are uh, show that there's not much knowledge about the possibilities out there. Mm-hmm. And we'd love to come and build a house for you, provided it's in a climate that we like. <laughs> and near good fishing, good fishing, and yeah. uh, good food. We're gonna need good food in the area, but yeah. uh, sure. You keep it, keep it in the south where it's a little warmer. Yeah, we like warm climates, but we'll we'll deal with that when we get to it. <laughs> well, once again, uh, thank you for joining us. It's been a little on the long side, and we look forward to uh, meeting up with you again the next time. <laughs>